When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Good afternoon to you. This is The Call on this Friday afternoon. Ten companies picked by you, two expert guests, one hour. Dream Team here again on this, the 4th of November. Adam Dawes from Sean Partners, he is loosening up. He's getting ready to perhaps take on some of June Bay Lou's ideas. She's joining us from Tribeca Investment Management. Good to see you both. Uh, June Bay, I'll start with you because even though we've had major central bank action, big sell-offs in the U.S., Look, our market is still pushing higher for the week overall. You know, still today to go. Jobs as well, but week to date up by 1%. I think it goes to the point you brought up last time I spoke with you that, you know, the Australian market is actually doing not too poorly as we head toward the end of the year. Oh, our market is doing incredibly well. Someone showed some stats that we've been doing the best relative to the global peers in a decade. And uh, that is something to remember by, particularly during the, uh, you know, all these volatilities about, um, you know, inflation, interest rates, China, uh, all these uncertainty, we're the best performing. Uh, look, you know, I think our market is holding very well, um, given what's happening. Um, you know, the the, uh, the expectations changes for the interest rate uh, for Fed is uh, clearly disappointing for the share market. Um, but our RBA has been um, reasonably, um, you know, pragmatic. Um, their commentary have said that, uh, yes, we're putting up the rates for longer. But however, we will remain to see what the data says. Uh, we will go perhaps longer, but slower, uh, which is a good sign for the economy, because the last thing you want to do is to crash it. Um, because, you know, the data always take at least three to six months before it shows up weakness. So, um, you know, Australian market, good, good place to be. Uh, corporate earnings so far is like looking pretty good. Um, you know, our AGM season has led to upgrades rather than downgrades compared to the overseas um, uh, peers. So, yeah, so, you know, sitting here, it does seem like we have more opportunities uh, domestically. Okay. And um, yeah, we'll see if any of the companies we talk about today rate in your view. Adam Dawes, Mm. have your clients become a little bit more um, sanguine in this environment? Yeah, they have. And there's some nice phone calls now instead of the grumbly phone calls that I'm used to over the last three months. He's not complaining, by the way. No, I'm never complaining about clients. But but yeah, people were nervous. And and a lot of people still are. A lot of people have have seen big losses. But But you sort of get the sense that, you know, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I think we're sort of turning a corner and, you know, the the activity in the markets, you know, potentially picked up a little bit. We're starting to see some of those uh, little spots that were not touchable, like the consumer discretionary space and even Square coming out today with some good numbers. I think that's sort of really boosting that part of the market. Uh, and the energy trade obviously still going along very well. So, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's been a good week. I'm happy that it's Friday, but I think it's been a good week and I think we're going to go into the end of the year on a positive note. He called it. I did. Let's get to our stock of the day, shall we? Because a feature of this market has been, oh, well, well, these are the companies we'll be talking about. Origin Energy, I'm sure Adam will have lots to say about that one. EML, 
in the news this week. Big falls, but a bit of buying today. IGO, Nickel Industries, I spoke with the CEO earlier this week, and Coronado Global Resources, that very hot area of the market. Uh, lots of cash being handed back to shareholders from the coal space this week as well. Um, but to my point about the stock of the day, it's also indicative of where we are in the cycle, I think, that we're seeing so much M&A. Now, a lot of it is happening in the smaller end of the market, particularly in tech. But then yesterday, you know, we had a private equity offer being made in conjunction with Regal for Perpetual. Today, Pendle has reported Perpetual still is pursuing its takeover of Pendle. Oh, the tangled webs we weave. But um, as Perpetual turns from, um, yeah, predator to prey, uh, we will, I guess, just figure out which of these companies, if either, would you invest in June Bay, but also, where do you see this headed in terms of, uh, you know, improved offers coming through potentially for perpetual? Um, it's sort of funny to ask another fund manager about other fund managers, <laughs> but there you go, Junbei. What do you think? Are either of these companies a buy? Look, uh, to me, I just find it's too hard to play in there. You can, but it's very speculative at this point. So clearly, Pendle, um, uh, Pendles represent quite a lot of deep discount at the moment. The deal is almost complete between Pendle and Perpetual. Um, and now Pendle is trading at close to 30% discount to the deal price. So there is, there is 30% chance, uh, well, 30% upside if the deal goes through, which is very close. Now, um, the, 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 the risk here is that if, um, you know, there's a higher bid and there's, you know, the bid becomes more substantial. Um, and, uh, you know, if Perpetual is willing to engage with the, higher bid, then the, the, the deal could fall, fall apart. And uh, then perhaps you're looking at about 20% discount, 20% fall for Pendo. So Pendo is like downside 20%, upset 30. For me, it's too risky. Um, and, uh, um, you know, it's really for the brave. Um, now for perpetual side, um, the, the chances are, yes, there will be a high bid. It's a 15% premium is very low. Um, and perpetual have previously been bid for, um, if you remember from KKR, mm. I think it was two, 2010, um, you know, and then that was a much smaller business then um, at um, I think it was something like $40. Um, so, you know, clearly there's a lot of value in the wealth business. Um, and I think, you know, this is very opportunistic, um, but it could get, as with many deals we've seen in the current market, it could become very prolonged and it could take time. But for the time being, Perpetual does look quite interesting in, in the current context. So, sorry, Perpetual looks quite interesting in the current context is what you say? Yeah, so because the pendle is just a little bit too high yeah. risk, uh, high risk. If there's any higher bid and things, it will keep falling. Doesn't sound to me like that's a, a buy necessarily for perpetual. You're very pleased to just sort of sit on the sidelines and watch this one. Yeah, look, I'm prob I'm just watching at this point. I think perpetual may be interesting, but it just you know honestly, I do think uh, we are going through a tough period for a lot of fund managers, especially the larger uh, institutions. We all have seen what's happening with their flows and um, you know and their AUM. Perpetual is probably one of the best performing. Uh, just at this point, um, you know, it's pro probably more of a neutral. Got it. Me. Thank you. Okay, it is sort of a complicated story yeah. now. Yeah. But where's the upside, if any, for for shareholders, so I would I would hold both of the perpetual and pendle because if you you're in there you're you're in there for the ride so you may as well. Yep. But for me, the buy is RPL, which is Phil King's Regal Regal business. Yep. Right. So that, that there's the bonus buy for you, but if Phil, uh, if sorry, if Regal gets perpetual, 
he's paying $400 million for about $90 billion in assets. And that's a fantastic deal. So uh, uh, Regal is up about, uh, I think it's about 10% today, a little bit more, probably uh, about 18 cents. But that's where I think you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Let Pend- uh, Perpetual and Pendle sort of duke it out. Let's get that sorted. And it's, it's pretty much as reading from the financial press today that the deal is actually going through. There's no real sort of all the documents have been signed and, and it's moving forward. Um, but then really uh, RPL is the, is the way to play this because if Regal then does come in with the, with the consortium, BPEA is the uh, private yep. equity consortium. Um, they're going to get a lot of funds under management for a, a nice little price, which will mean that Regal, and sorry to say this, Jim Bay, but Regal will then become the largest fund manager in Australia. So that's a massive uh, a deal for, for Regal as well. And I think that's the way to play it. Okay, so Regal shares up by 5% today. 5%, now, is Regal a well-run fund manager? Because to Jumbe's point, I mean, you saw net outflows from Magellan coming yep. through again, again today. Again, 2.4 billion. Yep. Uh, there's a reason why yep. Pendle is being taken over yep. and Perpetual now as well. Yep. So is Regal a good business? I think Phil King's done a fantastic job in his long short funds, as well as uh, a lot of, he's got a, a, a quite a good cult following in the market. So whatever he sort of backs, he's willing to sort of go in and, and do it. Um, I think he's a very smart man, and I think they're very uh, opportunistic at this time to be looking for, uh, to take over Perpetual while all of this is yeah. going on. And it, it, it sort of does say to me that the private equity firm was pretty much the one saying, okay, we need an Australian figurehead mm-hmm. to do this and this is how we're going to do it so i think it was quite opportunistic uh, i think regal's a very good and, and a very good and interesting business so yeah I, um they i don't know if they've had a lot of outflows but they just bought vgi which was uh, uh there's some disgruntled shareholders in there with that which is why it's keeping that sort of share price a little bit lower but really um that acquisition is going uh, yeah it, it Bringing on perpetual is is gonna is is a huge game changer for Regal going forward. All right, so it is one that we will continue to watch. I get the sense. I mean, it's not me, but you know, there will have to be an improved offer for yes. perpetual if they Agreed. want them as well. Agreed. Okay, let's move away from that drama. Let's get to the companies that have been <laughs> nominated by you, Origin Energy. This is for Nick. Hey, Nick. I hope you're out there listening. I'm going to go to June Bay first on this one because, um, well, because Adam was just talking quite a bit there. June Bay, want to keep you with us. What do you think of Origin Energy? I think it's uh, probably a hold for me at this point. Um, it's done very well relative to a lot of, uh, um, you know, the market sectors. Um, and the two of its businesses, uh, look, you know, it's got the um, the uh, electricity business as, as well as the uh, uh, APLNG, which is uh, energy's um, energy. APNG, which is very link, much linked to the energy prices. Now, the energy side of business is doing really, really well. Um, the uh, more domestic electricity side is getting tougher um, because of uh, a lot of regulatory issues and things. But the share price has performed okay relative to everything else. Now, I think the company is going through um, a bit of a sweet spot, um, but things will get tougher uh, for the electricity side of things. You know, consumers will start cutting spending, um, you know, where energy prices rally so significantly. Uh, we've seen 
know, again and again in the previous, um, you know, in the previous many cycles. So we will start having issues on that side and we'll see slowing down. Um, but for the energy business, it's uh, APLNG will continue to churn out a lot of cash um, and that is a very levered business. So, you know, they will, gen they will do pretty well. So it's pretty neutral for me at this point. It hasn't done as well as some of the other energy names um, just because of the electricity side of things. Um, but, um, but yeah, for me at this point, it's, uh, it's more of a neutral. Do you agree? Yeah, 100%. Um, for me, uh, APL Energy, and just putting some numbers around what Jumbo is saying, APL Energy uh, domestic price was at $12.43 a gigajoule, which is up 80% on previous corresponding period, on previous corresponding period which means that uh, that APLNG business is doing very, very well with increased gas prices uh, uh, in the spot as well as domestically. So, yeah, that, that, that's the jewel in the crown. The other side of it is, is, the, um, is the retail side. And I saw in the paper today, uh, basically uh, Alban, um, Albanese basically saying, if you don't get on board uh, with keeping prices lower, we're gonna make you yep. keep prices Price lower. So that, that's not a great outcome for any business where you get that. And obviously prices are going higher, so that cap isn't gonna do well. So it's a tale of two stories. Um, I think it's done better than AGL. So it'd be sell for AGL, but uh, certainly a hold for Origin on, on my side of things. Well, Macquarie has an outperform, UBS has a buy, but in keeping with you guys, Ords, Morgans, Morgan Stanley and Credit Suisse either hold equal weight or neutral on yeah. that company. Okay, that's Origin Energy for you, Nick. Don't forget, this is just um, information only. It's not you know, tailored to your personal financial circumstances. EML, boy, this one's come up, and this is for Robert. Um, you just get the sense, June Bay, that investors like have had enough. But the flip side to that is, you know, if you bought in now, uh, is there upside potential from here? Look, the challenge is when a company going through those regulatory um, inquiries, um, there's always a very prolonged impact on its operations and businesses. And there's a lot of uncertainty. First of all, we don't know what else can come through out of uh, the current UK inquiry, because that is a much bigger mm. problem for EML than the previous um, inquiry. Um, and uh, and company have previously said they have no issue with U UK regulators. And <laughs> so this does undermine the bit of confidence across, uh, you know, across the management team. Do they, you know, do, are they really on top of or, or some of those regulatory um, issues? Um, so that's number one. And two is that when you go through regulatory uh, inquiry and things, um, there's a lot of distraction on the company, on the business, on the management time. Uh, so, you know, no, the business will um, slow down um, just on the back of that because just too much distraction, there will be people going through um, quite a lot of crisis. Um, so, you know, all that together just means it's probably not un um, probably not investable at this point. Um, you have to see what is happening uh, on that um, on that front. Now, just put that aside, the actual core business, they actually quite leveraged to, they hold a lot of money. They are very leveraged to the high interest rate. So that is one thing in the next 12 months could see the earnings grow quite substantially. Um, but, you know, at this point i think the uncertainty just for i will be staying as, uh, away from it okay uninvestable i mean that that's yeah. pretty strong yeah well you look at the chart there and it looks horrible and you, any investor that would look at that sort of short term but longer term um, that would say to you that this stock is definitely on its knees and it needs some really good news to sort of turn the market around. Jumbo's right, they do do... Uh, in but there's buy. I'm sorry to interrupt, but there are buyers today, 3%. Yeah. So, you know, what? Like, well, tell us why you'd caution against taking that course of action because there would be some people out there thinking, oh, 
Yeah, so there's, maybe there's yeah. value. Yeah, I mean, and Eva Dar was fifty one point four million, slightly below their consensus of sort of fifty two to fifty five. So you know, they they came in just a little bit lower. So you know, continuing to make money, but on that chart, you you, you really can see that. Yeah, and there's maybe some value buying coming in. Potentially, they think that either the UK is going to get sorted, um, money laundering is going to get sorted somehow. But I just don't think that that's going to happen, and it's going to take time for that to work its way through. Rising interest rate environment may be the reason why people are looking at this one. They've got a significant store of value of about $2.2 billion there. So that, that will, will certainly do that. New CEO's come in. He's going to complete a strategic um, uh, outlook. And that's expected to be at the AGM where they're going to talk about what they're going to do. So maybe, again, a little bit of repositioning there. But for a client uh, looking at this, uh, you have to have a long, long-term view. This would be a two to three-year story going out. And I just wouldn't see any value. And I'd, I'd prefer to miss the first 5% uptick and get some confirmation that this thing's going to do well versus sitting in here for a long time and uh, destroying wealth. So it's a sell? Yes. Got it. Thank yes. you. Nickel Industries is next on the list. It was out with a quarterly. It's uh, in my conversation with the CEO saying, looking forward to, I missed what? IGO. Oh, IGO is next on the list. That's my fault with my notes. We'll go with IGO. Not a problem. IGO, Adam. IGO. Yep, definitely. It's a buy. Uh, really comfortable with it because it does have nickel in there as well. So there you go. There's a bit of... Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, IGO, really comfortable with it. Uh, even at these price levels, um, I'm uh, really, really, really happy with it. It sort of looks like there's a bit of support there at that sort of 1450 level. Uh, which it will go through. Some of the takeaways is that most of their um, most of it was in line, or EBITDA was in line with expectations. They were able to get um, a decent result for some of their um, uh, lithium guidance was unchanged. Some of their copper was a little bit lower, and um, that nickel that they just bought from um, who was the company that they just took over, Wiley, um Anyway, it, it'll come to me in a second. You've got my back all the time. Yeah, I don't have I know, yours right no, now. No, that's Sorry. okay. Um, it'll come to me in a second that they just took over. Um, so yeah, bringing all of that in, I think costs uh, were under control. Really comfortable with this one. Uh, we, 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 we've got a buy on it. Shores, um, yeah, happy with it. It's a buy. Got it. Jim Bay, enlighten us on your view when it comes to IGO. And if you can remember what the company is that they've taken over, because I can't think of it either. Yeah, I'm trying. It's a it's a Chinese company. They took over um, just over fifty percent, um, and um, and that business for themselves is um, you know essentially guaranteeing them access to the highest quality um, lithium, low well, low risk lithium mine, um, and that um, that's what's really present um, significant amount of value for this company. Um, now it's uh, I, I I like this company. Um, I am more of a hold at this point. Um, it's done very well, and I think you know um, it's uh, like other lithium name. It's done uh, very well, and it has underperformed the likes of uh, uh, PLS um, and uh, other purer plays. Um, but this one does offer you much higher quality access um, to the lithium. Um, and getting pretty good pricing out of it as well, um, and lower risk on that basis as well, and it's under perform. So um, it looks pretty good relatively, um, but it's a hold for me at this point. And that's based on price because it's done well so far. Oh, Got it. Really well. Yeah, Western yeah. areas. Western areas. Yes. Yes. IGO took over Western yeah. areas. Right. Well. Moving the, forward. The, thanks, mate. <laughs> yeah, they took over. Yeah. 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 All right, uh, Nickel Industries. I'll start with you on this one, Jim Bay, because it's trying to execute the strategic shift from pig iron nickel into you know more value, valuable types of nickel. It's got a Chinese partner 
as well, and it produced record, you know, record nickel in the last quarter. What do you make of Nickel Industries? Is there value there? Um, yeah, that's the thing, um, because uh, it's very much linked to the fortune of China. Uh, you knew China to completely reopen and growing again. Um, and uh, at this point, uh, certainly with the, you know, the 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 re uh, the re-emphasizing the zero COVID policy and things, the economic activity perhaps will take longer to return. So that has really put pressure on this company. Uh, it's got a bit of debt um, and a bit of gearing. And at some point it does need to expand its mind. So, you know, it's um, it probably need to raise money further down the track if they do need to expand, um, but then they do need to bring their gearing down. So it's a little bit too hard for me. Um, I, I'm not there um, and, um, you know, I'm probably, in, you know, I'm probably more likely to be sitting in the likes of IGO than be in the pure nickel play. Mm. Thank you. What do you think about nickel industries, Adam? Yeah, I'd stay neutral on it. I think it's still a high risk with that turnaround side of things and that it, you'd like to see confirmation of that turnaround story having nickel production was up, which is obviously uh, really good for them, but uh, their energy costs were a little bit higher as well, which sort of uh, took back uh, some of that profit. But yeah, so for me, it's just high risk at the moment. So I would be, uh, what did I say, hold or buy? Well, you said you'd be neutral. I'd so be neutral, so it's I'm a hold. hold. Yeah. Um, yeah, neutral from Macquarie, neutral from City, outperform from Credit Suisse, although that was a call from a couple of weeks ago pre its quarterly report. If you'd like to listen to that interview with uh, the CEO, please feel free to do so. It's up on the website. Just type in Nickel Industries and you should be able to get it up pretty easily. It was on the small caps, I think, to start the week. All right, let's go to the next on the list. And this is Coronado Global Resources. CRN is the ticker code. I'll start with you on this one because I do believe the team at Sean Partners yep. is pretty happy with coal these days. They are, very much so. Yeah. So what do we think of Coronado? Yeah. Okay, so Coronado is in talks or well, potentially they've said that they're in talks with Peabody. Peabody reported last night. They did, oh. also, did also say that uh, in there that they are continuing talks to looking for further acquisitions around the globe. And it makes sense that um, Coronado's in the US as well as here in Australia. Um, and um, it makes sense that there potentially is a merger there. The problem is that for Australian shareholders, Peabody's just offering script. So which means that you will then get stock in Peabody in the US, which is probably not the best for a lot of shareholders as they don't have international accounts and can't sell or buy uh, in the international markets. So that's, that's one thing. But remember also Peabody has nearly gone bankrupt in the last seven years, twice in the last seven years. Last one was in 2016 when the coal price fell and certainly they had to, uh, they exited chapter 11 the government obviously bailed them out and um, they're back again with a vengeance because of the uh, coal price going forward. Now, it really then comes down to sort of energy costs or energy sort of thermal versus uh, coking coal or met coal. And certainly met coal um, is one that is done to produce steel. And then obviously then going forward with the met coal price not really rallying as much as the thermal price that, um, you know, it is all on this China slowdown or, or potentially is China slowing down. But Coronado sells a lot of coal into India, and this is the this is the sort of the the the, the I guess the the side of it is is that uh, China has a lot of coal but doesn't have a lot of iron ore, whereas India has a lot of iron ore but yeah. not a lot of coal, and so that's why uh, we're really liking the Coronado story at the moment. 
It just needs to get worked out with Peabody on this merger, but we do think it's going to happen from Peabody's commentary uh, yesterday or last night. So I'm going to say Coronado's a buy, even though it looks a little bit stretched up here. Potentially, um, that has a lot more to run, plus you get access to one of the, the world's largest coal producers being Peabody Energy in the US. So I'm going to stay with a buy on this one. Um, the only thing that's negative about it is that script deal, so you've got to be a little bit careful. Okay, um, special dividend has been announced, yep. and uh, look, it's very likely we'll see dividends continue, dividend bonanzas to continue from these coal companies. Um, would you be buying Coronado, though, in the space? Look, um, I think Coronado is probably a better place compared to some other names because there's something special about them, like what um, Adam was saying that they are um, they are actually starting selling more of a thermal coal as well. So you know the prices they get is actually increasingly getting higher and higher compared to what the price they used to get. So um, ultimately, you know there's there's an upgrade to its um, the quality of its production. So you know I think on that basis it will do better. Now um, for me, uh, looking across the coal space, I do think um, you know it's something that I probably will be taking profit at um, you know they're doing very, they've done very very well incredibly well they're buying back shares get paying back dividend um, you know they're doing really well however um, you know we have as we have seen um, you know given Adam touched on the China slowdown and somewhat global slowdown and potentially recession next 12 months um, you know a, a lot of those uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 coke and coal prices has started falling quite a bit quite rapidly actually um, you know the thermal is holding a bit better but you know just net net those Whole prices is falling quite a bit in the net last twelve, uh, last uh, last month or so. Um, you know the coal prices, uh, equity prices haven't really responded all that much. Um, my view is that you know over the next twelve months you should see them normalizing. And remember, coal prices or coal equities is not something you can hold for a long term because ultimately um, the the terminal buyer or the next buyer is going to be less and less because of their pollution to the environment unless they're doing something about it. If you're sitting in BHP, they're probably trying to offset its carbon footprint, um, whereas for those pure players, it's much harder. So um, so for me, um, I'm taking profit. Um, I'm not putting new money in it. Um, and uh, and uh, even though the dividend and outlook probably look okay for the next three months. I remember Jim Bay speaking with you after you'd been at a conference, some sort of investor conference last year. And, you know, all people were talking about was ESG. It's surprising to me how that conversation seems to have shifted uh, now that we've got war in Ukraine and all of the focus being put on energy and coal. Um, but you're saying that that conversation might have been put on pause, but when it comes to yeah. your investment you know, thesis, it still has to include ESG, does it? Look, let me tell you what's happening. In the last few years, we have, we've gone through a phase, um, you know, a few years ago, we've gone through this phase is that um, ESG was the hot topic. You know, everyone just want to talk about it, but on a more um, less constructive manner, really just want to talk about it. And then, it, but however, over the last um, year or two, we have seen maturity across those conversations, the proper frameworks and structures from investors, from, uh, uh, you know, institutional investors, from retail investors. So there's more constructive um, discussion and from, corporates as well about how to achieve some of those uh, future policies by the government and we know the policy is already now in place so and those framework that's putting been put in place certainly has guaranteed that the future investor for a lot of those um, problematic ESG companies will be much much smaller and continue to shrink but there's an opportunity for those companies to improve so it's important for investors to see you know if they're going to do something about their operations how they reduce their carbon footprint and things so but if 
they don't, you know that investor base is going to shift just as we actually going through that whole um, the process now towards more mature um, places. So c- constructively, Adam, when yeah. you're thinking about, I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. Yeah. You're not worried about ESG when you're investing in core companies, no. but when you are approaching a portfolio construction, do you also look to have exposure to companies that might you know, be sort of like a barbell yeah. uh, to some of these exposures that you absolutely. have in dirty industries. Yeah, absolutely. So Warley's is a classic example. I knew you were going to say Warley's. Thank you. Well, you knew exactly what, uh, <laughs> we're a great team. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Warley's is a classic example of, of one way you can have your cake and eat it too uh, by having that sort of ESG tailwind that it will move through. Um, BHP, again, uh, is one. And uh, Apple sits up really highly on a lot of ESG scores, but I really don't understand why that does because of everything that goes on with making a mobile phone. So, um, yeah, it, it is a little bit uh, opaque or ha- un, un, I guess the investor has to be really, really sure about do they like tobacco? Do they not like this? Do they, you know, do, yeah. you, do you like gambling? Yes or no? And so these are the kind of questions that we're now stalk- when we're talking to clients, we're saying, are you OK to invest in coal? Yep, don't have a problem. Are you okay with uh, yeah. alcohol? No, I don't want to go anywhere near that. And so, yeah, getting that uh, profile from a client uh, allows us then to mix the portfolio to sort of what they're wanting to do. But it is a lot easier these days. From 10 years ago, it was very difficult to find anything that was uh, environmental or social or, or governance. Now it's a lot easier for us to do that because there's lots of scores and there's lots of data that sits around that. All right. For now, though, coal is the place yeah. to be in Adam's view. That's a buy for Coronado Coal. Look, I've messed up the numbers here, but I think we're halfway through, uh, at least by the clock. So let me just give these guys a chance to wet their whistles and I'll take you through what we've learned so far. For the stock of the day, stocks, you know, Pendle v. Perpetual, however you want to phrase it. For Bay, it's just too specky right now, too risky. Uh, it really is for the brave getting into, uh, you know, perpetual. Um, she would not be in Pendle. Now, when we think about this sort of saga that's going on between Pendle, perpetual, Adam says what you really want to be in is re- um, Regal, so RPL, and that's his bonus buy for today. So he would be holding Pendle or perpetual, but he would be buying Regal, which apparently a few of you out there are doing today. Origin Energy, it's a pretty neutral for both of my guests, a hold for Adam, a hold or a neutral for June Bay. Um, Look, she says they're going through a bit of a sweet spot right now, but things will get tougher. EML is not investable in June Bay's view. This is a very prolonged journey that the company is on when it comes to regulation, and it's just a risk. It's it's too hard basket. It's a sell for Adam. It's a new CEO, long time to work your way through. Even if there is some value in it now, he'd rather miss out on the first 5% to make sure that things are going in the right direction. So too risky. Nickel Industries, uh, I'm out of order. IGO, buy for Adam. It's a hold <laughs> for June Bay. It's done very well. So it's based on its share price, not necessarily what it does. She says it's a high quality company. Nickel Industries, it's a hold for Adam, it's too hard basket for Bay. Look at what's happening in terms of global demand, likely recession. And uh, you really need China to reopen again fully for that to be, um, you know, an investable idea for her. And Coronado Coal, you just heard the guys talking about that one. So that is a buy for Sean Partners, and it is a take profit for Bay at Tribeca. 
Now, the investment committee went live this week. The latest episode is up online, ausbiz.com.au. We'll also be playing it out today at about 2 p.m. Eastern, so I hope you can watch that. Uh, going to November, Insitech Pivot was removed. Seven group holdings added mineral resources trimmed. JB Hi-Fi and West Farmers Weightings were increased. How's the portfolio performing, you ask? So far, up. 4% on a cumulative return basis since its inception on March the 1st. That's pretty good mm. if I you say so myself, I had nothing to do with it, but there you go. Uh, so what happens is you send requests into this program. If they are two buys, it gets put to the investment committee. If there's something in the portfolio that is two sells from this program, we put it to the investment committee as well. So uh, yeah, we hope you can uh, join us at 2 p.m. today if you'd like to watch it. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Welcome back to the program. This is The Call, Friday, November 4th. My guests are Adam Dawes from Sean Partners and June Bailu from Tribeca Investment Partners. Great to have them both here. And in the next, uh, let's say, 25 minutes, we will cover Grain Corp. We'll cover CBA, Raise, Magnus Energy Technologies, and Aurora Biosurgery. I always have difficulty saying that one, and I know Junbei knows it well, so that'll keep you tuned in. Uh, Junbei, let's talk GrainCorp, shall we? This is for Jack GrainCorp sweet spot, particularly this week when we learned that Russia was limiting exports coming out of Ukraine. But again, you know, is all the sort of, I mean, that's bad news. Bad news is good news in this case. Is, is it all baked into the price? And then, you know, obviously the war has helped the grain prices and the shortage in grain. Um, so has, um, you know, company has done quite well. Um, I do think the company is coming to closer towards the end of its last good result. Uh, it's got a result coming up. Um, if I hold, if I have Grain Corp, I'd hold it for the result because they will talk about div a special dividend or dividend um, because they have made incredible amount of money. There was a lot of grain shortage and they sold everything they have. Uh, and the weather has been really good for these guys. So, um, yeah, so I think the result will be good they'll we talk about dividend and market will like it now post that now there's a bit of a assumption that surely the rain's finished <laughs> by now um you know we, we've gone on this wet weather um for you know for new south wales and for lots of places um for for the last three years and this company is really benefiting from really good raining condition uh the growing condition um now surely there's a lot of experts talk about you know we should return to normal going to normal seasonal condition which means the grain production will have to fall and that just simply means it's probably uh, result earning will fall in the next 12 months after this one so but that's a bit of prediction just hold to the result and uh, uh, and uh, probably take profit after that got it and the result actually is uh, the 16th of November so coming right up yeah is that the strategy you would use if you're already a holder of yeah absolutely you wouldn't want to because obviously the winter grain crop has been extended and uh, there is upgrades that are going to come from that winter crop but also, look, the company's trading on a P of 21 times at the moment with an EBITDA margin or multiple of 9.9. .9. So that's probably where we see it. it's a hold. Um, 14th of November, Elders reports. Yep. And I'd be more, I'd be 
I'd be buying elders for that result because uh, Nutrient reported last night in the US had a little bit of a downgrade on some of their fertilizer side of things, but they said their Aussie business was going very, very well. And we think Elders is a better play in the ag space for that diversification. So 14th of November, that'll be a great result. Jim, just a quick thought on Elders. Would you be more inclined to buy that heading into the result like Adam is? Yeah, I think heading into the result, it's pretty good. Again, it's a bit like, um, you know, probably one of the last good results because yeah. they just done so well. So, but definitely into the result, it's very strong. Great. Thank you, guys. Now, let's let's go into blue chip territory with CBA. <laughs> the bluest CBA. of blue. The bluest of blue. Biggest bank in the nation. has been doing very well. Uh, interest rates are rising, as we know, June Bay. And interest margins have the um, potential to rise further. But again, competition feel like a broken record when it comes to the bank still very strong and uh, while provisioning is a lagging indicator in this environment I mean you, you've got to think that there will be some of that to come uh, look uh, absolutely everyone's been wondering why CBA has done so well <laughs> who's those buyers out there look the company has done so well it's literally five percent or even less than five percent of its all-time high this compares to global peers such as JP Morgan JP Morgan's fallen 50 percent <laughs> in the last uh, in the last six to eight months um, and also US interest rates gone up even further they benefit from interest rate uh, in, in crazy margin as well um, but um, you know it just the CBA is really one of its kind. Um, you know, our banking system has really broke a lot of longshore funds globally uh, just because how, you know, how expensive they do get and how much they outperform. Now, clearly, Australia economic conditions better. Uh, our interest rate increased a little bit less. So, you know, our chances for recession is a bit smaller. Um, so the banks are really reaping that its margin. Um, you know, so the margins are growing. Things are still good. Mortgages volumes started falling now. We started seeing from different bank results, uh, but they're yet to become more material we know it's coming because look at the New Zealand numbers it's falling ANZ has reported the New Zealand number doesn't look flash so we know it's coming it just matter of time now CBA being so expensive relative to the peers we do think it will underperform in the next 12 months um, it's um, it's price probably have seen its highs um, it's a profit taking for me okay so that's even a sell but for profits not a reflection necessarily that things are going really poorly what do you think of well, see, this, CBA. this is why Jumba is in a lovely position because she can just sell stuff when she wants to. Trying to get a client to sell CBA <laughs> is impossible. Not even trim it? Not, Not even uh, trim it? Maybe you could get them to sell like, you know, 1% or, yeah. or whatever, but they just won't sell it. And look, and that's the reason why it's done so well is because people are buyers and they hold this thing. Yeah. They do not sell it. So. Obviously, there's a lot of free float out there and it's very liquid, but really there's a lot of stock that's just sitting in the bottom drawer for a lot of people. So it's really, really tough. So if I look at the institutional landscape, most institutions are overweight NAB, but underweight CBA and Westpac. Okay, so that's that, that's that for the institutional side of things. And then for the retail investors, we're starting to see that their retailers, are, the retail network is net sellers of ANZ and Westpac, but are net buyers of NAB. So in all in all, potentially NAB is the one that's actually taking over a lot of home loans. In fact, they've, if you looked at their last results, their home loan market is actually, they're, they're taking a margin, sorry, market share off uh, uh, all of the other banks as well. So NAB would probably be one of the ones that you could potentially look and I'll say that that's a buy for NAB. I'd be holding CBA, look, trying to get somebody to sell at, at 100 bucks was, was tough. At 102, 105, it's even harder. 
Um, if you've got it, I think you just hold it because it is a great, it is the best bank in Australia and pays a fantastic dividend. That probably doesn't gel with a lot of other people who are the traders, but my clients are sort of long-term buy and holds. And I've given up trying yeah. to get them to sell it. Yeah. So. Put your energy <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Got it. I don't All know right. if that's an answer, but that anyway, is. Uh, yeah. It's, well, we'll it's call tough. it an answer. Let's move on from CBA, <laughs> shall we? Let's get to Raise. Uh, so Raise Invest, it was um, it was it was doing pretty well, yeah. and then there was a few problems coming yeah. through. Board yeah. was spilled. Then yep. the long-term CEO and sort of George. founder yep. stepped down. Yep. Uh, questions about growing its business and how it's going to maintain uh, this level of growth, obviously in this interest rate environment. And look at the share price. Yeah. I mean, that's not good for shareholders. Yeah. You would have thought getting out of 2021 just based on that would have been a good idea. Uh, is there a turnaround story in here? So I think overall Raise is a, is a fantastic product and I use it myself uh, for the kids, you know, and for just my wife taps away every day. And so getting an extra cent, 10 cents, 50 cents or a dollar added into that and then they sweep that and they invest it for you in some ETFs and different different models. Um, it's actually a really good product. It used to be called Acorns. Yep. And Acorns understands that the little small acorn grows into a big oak tree and I really sort of like that. But obviously Raise is now... Uh, moving forward, they they actually they actually did okay, but I think this this company is a tech business, but also a growth company, and that's the reason why it's falling. Is those numbers just haven't been able to stack up as far as that growth going forward. In the September quarter, they were uh, profit or the revenue, sorry, was four point three million, was only up two point six percent. But you're right, there's been some issues with the board. Long-term founding uh, founder of it, George, has stepped aside. And I think there's some probably some you know, things that we don't see in there going forward. So look, I really like the business. It's funny that the, that the active customers in Australia have slowed down, but their Indonesia and Malaysian businesses side of things yeah. has really accelerated. And potentially that's just that lower price point and that's kind of that sort of lower demographic in there as well. But that's where they're really getting a lot of their cut through going forward. So for me, it's a hold. I, I use the business, I, I use the product, so I understand it. I like it, um, but looking at that chart, yeah, I potentially wouldn't be going anywhere near it at the moment. And yeah. it, it, it's priced for growth, but it's, the growth's not there. Jimbe, Raise, would it pass any of your filters? Yeah, uh, look, I, I do say the first filter is whether you use a product and understand it. And I must say, I like that too. Um, for actually many years ago, when I first came across it, I thought that's a fantastic idea. Every fund manager should have an app like that. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's not incredible. You know, um, people would just tap every single day and it goes straight through to, um, you know, to, to the farm and it's a fantastic model. Um, so I think, yeah, so look, for the problem with these business is that they do have a good app, they have a good idea. The problem is the world has changed. Things just money costs a lot more so you know and they because they're growth company they need to keep invest to keep growing um and then you know where, where where's your source of funding um and do you have enough money to really ensure you'll capture all that growth and if you can't do you have a partner to take you there so there's a lot of hard questions that uh, perhaps has put a lot of pressure on the board on the management um and uh, you know until they can find the right right answer for a lot of those things um this business may not be viable so uh, maybe it should be sold maybe it should be part of a bigger group so you know it's um i think it's it's very hard for investors to step in and say it's it's going to be great um it's definitely um don't touch it yet 
<laughs> yeah, yep. steer clear for now, but you've raised a good point because we've seen so much consolidation amongst some of these beaten down tech names uh, in Australia. So you, you wouldn't rule out potentially somebody coming to make an offer for a raise? Oh, I, I think so. I think there's a lot of M&A um, sort of deals that's about to go through perhaps early next year, especially across a lot of those unprofitable tech space, because uh, because that is a sector where the valuation has really, really come off um, because those companies, if you look at raise, uh, it's probably all time low now, um, you know, and then on a revenue multiple, it's much lower compared to what it was over the last 10 years. So, um, you know, so there's a lot of opportunity in that space. The challenge is um, some will make it, some will get taken out and some probably won't even pull it through over the next few years. Also, when obviously a user product, but what happened is, is um, a year or so ago, um, Commonwealth Bank, who I bank with, um, changed their algorithms. And what happened then, what happened in that, that Raise couldn't then go in and take that extra 10 cents or 50 cents on top of each transaction. So I had to manually go in there and allow the, the, the pathway to go through again. So I think when you're um, partnering with, if it's Google or, or Commonwealth Bank or something, these large organizations, and they change the way that they do business, your business gets affected as well. And so that's been a real pediment for uh, Raise is, is that um, it used to work fine and everything was okay, but then it all had to change and then they had to go through. And so that does slow the revenue down. It slows the customer numbers down and potentially customers leave because it's not working properly. So all these things are sort of culminating into where the share price is today. Yeah, and also if you see a long-term CEO and founder step yeah, down, that's yeah. also an indication of uncertainty. And yeah, George was like really, really good. He was really good. So yeah, it's interesting. I, I haven't, don't know the, the ins and outs of yeah. it, but yeah, it, it, it's a big move for the business to lose him. Now on the point about tech companies, listed tech companies, this, yeah. the pickings are looking like they're going to be getting pretty slim here. Yeah. Well, the same as our infrastructure stocks. Is, there's none around. Um, so yeah, the pickings are getting really, really slim. And it's really tough then to find even some of those businesses that are doing really, really well to then, um, yeah, do you buy for a takeover or do you buy it for the profitability? And it's yeah, it's, it's getting smaller and smaller, our tech stocks. Because you do want market. exposure to tech and growth 100%. in a portfolio. We just need someone to take over zero. That's all we need to do. That's all I want. <laughs> all right. Well, here's hoping. Okay. Let's get to the next company on the list. This is, look, it's Magnus Energy Technologies. So this is a little bit different if we're talking about, you know, clean energy, because rather than necessarily digging it out, they're looking to actually um, make, you know, process and, and mm -hmm. make, you know, an actual product out of uh, the graphite that it's getting out of, I believe it's in Tanzania. Yep. And so then they want to turn it into battery technology. Jume, is that sort of a fair assessment of, of the company and what it's trying to achieve? Um, and then there, there's a bit of storage and things. So um, I think it's about right. The conceptually, it sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's where everything is going um, and you know I, I like previously when we touched on Adam was touching on about how this ESG push and things um, you know carbon neutralization and things so there's a lot of uh, interest and in investment early investment gone into those space now um, the challenge is that you know a lot of the, those businesses are not yet profitable um, you know you're betting a lot on what's going to happen in the future and there's a lot of money throwing at it not just this business there's plenty other businesses going into it uh, to me it's a little bit speculative space um, at this point um you know and um and then we really have to see wait and see what 
comes through in terms of policy direction. You know, we just saw what government has done with some of the uh, carbon products, right? Uh, carbon funding. Um, and, um, you know, policy may change in the future. Um, the company is in the right space, but just really um, early stage, I think, at this point for me. So this is too specky for Jumbe. <laughs> Do you have a bit of a risk tolerance? When you, like to Jumbe's point, it's a good concept, yeah. right? We want to yep. be investing in companies that can do something other than just take stuff out of the Absolutely. ground, right? And, and, and that value add. And this business has said basically they're an end-to-end -end producer so that they can take it out of the Tanzanian graphite mine, they can then put it into the batteries and then they can produce those batteries and then they can uh, move that through. This, this shareholder base, they are staunchly loyal to this business. We've got a lot of clients uh, in Magnus as well as then uh, a lot of brokers at Shores that are, are, are yeah, 100%. This is one of their top picks for that ESG push because of what's happening, I guess, here in Australia, but overseas in New York, where as far as that battery storage area, so they've basically got a, a building with a massive battery in there which powers about sort of 16 or sort of 20 blocks around that battery and then it obviously gets charged and uh, through sort of sunlight and things like that so um yeah it, there's a lot of people that are very much they, they love this story and they love it going forward for me uh it's a hold i'd be comfortable with it because of that esg tailwind that's moving forward but really um they just have to get a lot of the and and there's there's always been talk of uh u.s government funding coming in for more we haven't seen that sort of really come through so uh, for me happy to be there because of that esg tailwind there's a lot of shareholders that believe in this story um but yeah fresh money at the moment i'd just be a little bit cautious um but it's a great story nonetheless so it's a hold got it thank you now aroa Aroa, I'm going to go to this you is first. This is Jumbe. all Jumbe. This is you written all over Absolutely. it. I think I've been speaking to you about this one for years. So anything change? How's it traveling? <laughs> Oh, look, it's traveling pretty good, actually. Every time it reports a result, um, it seems to be beat expectations. Mm. Remember, this is a company that was impacted by COVID. Um, you know, because the surgery, the bones, um, uh, the uh, the skin replacement surgery needs to be performed. Um, you know, uh, and uh, when when the COVID was shutting down a lot of uh, uh, a lot of uh, hospitals, so it was impacted. Um, and then now, with the reopening take place, um, you know, the earnings started tracking quite well. And it's a U.S. partner um, uh, just recently reported saying pretty good um, pull through and the company is growing really fast at the moment um, it's actually has much uh, the equivalent company to this one uh, is the um, uh, polynovel yep. uh, which is much much more expensive um, and um, you know on that basis it actually has a really poor balance sheet polynovel um, actually its balance sheet is looking very stretched um, both company is looking to uh, probably reach break-even point by this year, next 12 months um, and the polynovel um, perhaps need a capital raising at some point now this company is well capitalized um, they are doing very well they have uh, many indications relative to um, to polynovel so in my opinion should be better um, but it's actually trading much more uh, much cheaper compared to polynovel so to me it's a mini pony level but doing much better and i like its technology um relative to the more synthetic version of it it's a buy it's a buy so nothing has changed there but what do you think will be sort of the catalyst to really move the share price higher than from here if it is still trading lower than where you reckon it should be 
Yeah, look, I think uh, this is the challenge, traditionally the challenge with the smaller micro cap companies, just take time. Um, a little micro cap company is doing really well, take some time, then it started getting to smaller indexes like the ASX 300, you know, when it gets big enough, um, it's just a matter of time. Once you get into ASX 300, then you start getting brokers wanting to cover it. Then when you have at least three analysts covering it, then you have a lot broader audience and then you have more, um, you know, marginal buyer to get the share price higher. So, you know, the the, the thing is really, um, the higher the share price goes, the more people wanting to buy it. Uh, so it's that momentum it needs to generate. Just a matter of time. The earnings is doing very well. Um, and uh, it's just a matter of time before the share price catches up. There you go, share our ticker code is ARX. Are you just going to hand that one to Jinbei? Yeah, I, yeah yes, is the answer. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, um, they've got regulatory approval in over 50 countries, so they're really, you know, widely spread. Um, they've got uh, a, a lot of products. The problem is that hospitals where their main customers are are very, very price sensitive at the moment. So um, there is some competition starting to come out there, which could affect their margins. But just looking at some of their margins, I mean, it's sort of 76% margins, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. And they've got revenue uh, and they've got sales growth going forward. So. I'm going to leave it with Jumbei. I need to say that I have really no idea what to do with this story, so I'm going to say it's a hold. <laughs> Couldn't give it a buy, so the investment committee could take have a bit of a talk about it. Yeah. Long -term. What did you say, Jumbei? Yeah, Jumbei. Oh, it's a long-term story. Yeah, <laughs> yes. long-term. Yes. It, yeah. yeah that, that's what normally it does take at least six to 12 months. Oh, well, not 12 months. It takes a few years for a micro cap to progress into small cap. And once you go into small odd and to move up to the larger space is much faster because you have that strong momentum. Every small cap manager will jump on it very quickly. So when you before you get there, just take time. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, set us up nicely for the program coming up next, which is the small caps, obviously. But before I say goodbye and have a good weekend, let's just recap what we have learned, just in case I get anything wrong. Grain Corp is a hold. She says, uh, Junbei says hold for the result, but she's likely going to see that that's the best result and you'll want to sell after. Um, look, it's a hold for Grain Corp for Adam, but he's buying elders into the result that comes through on the 14th. CBA, it is a sell, take profits in Jumbe's universe, but in Adam's, it's a little bit more difficult, so it is a hold, but his buy in the banking space is NAB. Raise, both of my guests like the product, but it's a hold for Adam, and uh, Jumbe would just steer clear for now because there's too many uncertainties there. Magnus Energy Technology, Although Junbei does like some micro caps, this one is just too specky for her, but it's a hold for Adam. The team at Sean Partners like this one. Aurora Bio, um, I think it's Biosurgery, it's, um, it's a buy for Junbei. It's been a long-term buy and she is holding it for the long-term as well when that story will change. It's a hold for Adam. Okay, that is the program. Junbei Liu, Tribeca Investment Partners. Look, um, really great to have you along for the program. I would have invited you for a drink tonight, but you're at home, so we'll leave you there. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'll save the drink for next time. Okay, great. Um, I'll call you. All right, and Adam, you're coming for a drink today absolutely, on the last call. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, I love it. 45. Never yep. enough, Adam Dawes. Thanks for this, though. Really appreciate your insights. No okay, that's the program for today. Wonderful to have you join us. Uh, please do send in your requests, the call at osbiz.com.au. But to my point, don't go anywhere. The small caps is coming up next. Ken Len. Klopp is the uh, interim CEO of Atlantic Lithium. Do you remember Atlantic Lithium was on the program just a couple of days ago. Stock is up 36% over the past five days. We'll be getting all the details coming up next.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 